true champions, they focus on the process of those results and more specifically on developing specific character traits. And character traits is something we can learn and practice. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, the strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full stack life. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome. My name is Sagi. I'm a designer and entrepreneur and the host of the show. My guest today is a high-performance expert, sports entrepreneur, and former manager of three number one tennis players, uh, including Novak Djokovic, by the way. He's managed some of the best world's tennis players, and while he did that, he witnessed firsthand what distinguishes winners from everybody else. So that's exactly what uh, my guest here today is about, and what is about teaching, and what I'm about learning. So this turned out to be a super interesting conversation for me. Uh, in this interview, we talk about the important things that we need to understand in order to reach our next level, how to identify stories that we keep telling ourselves, and break through to our full potential. I got some few coins dropping inside my own head out of this conversation, and uh, you know, as long as gaining some practical items as well to apply, like the four principles of visualization. Um, so after this episode, I promise you, you'll be better equipped and super motivated to take yourself to the next level, like a sports champion, but in your own field and life. So ladies and gents, without further, further ado, I want to introduce to you the high performance expert, Alon Kakshuri. Let's get my four rules. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless podcast. And today I have Alon Kakshuri with me. Alon, what's up, man? I'm great, Sagi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> for sure, man. I'm very excited to have you here. So, like, before we begin, like, before we can, like, I have so many questions to ask you today, but uh, this is like a topic that I've, you know, I'm, I'm as you know me, I'm very interested to, uh, to learn about. But before that, how about you give people a bit about your background, like how you came up, you know, to managing tennis players even? Sure. So um, when I was a small kid, I grew up in Switzerland and I had serious learning disabilities and they wanted to put me in a class for kids with special needs. And my parents luckily put me in a private English school, but I had this dream to go to a Swiss public school. And when I was a kid, I was watching these athletes, these tennis players. I admired them. I admired them for their mental toughness and their fighting spirit. So I really wanted to get into the Swiss school. And then I got like a trial one month test period in a Swiss primary school. And after the month, the headmaster said, we love Alon. He works hard, but he's just not good enough. And in that moment, I decided that I'm never going to allow someone else to determine my future. So I really worked really hard. Eventually, I made it to Swiss school. I kept thinking, what would a professional athlete do when he has a setback? And I had this dream that I wanted to be surrounded by professional athletes. I wanted to manage them or do something related to sports. And... It is a long story how I actually started managing tennis players. I got my father excited in sports. He started organizing a professional event in Russia where he had business. I met a lot of players there. And then one player who had a problem with his agency asked me, Alon, do you want to manage me? I had no clue how to manage players. So I got someone who managed top players in the past. I said, you want to partner up with me? This guy is really gifted, really talented. 
And this player ended up becoming a world number one player. It was a guy called Marat Safin. He won the US Open. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of my management career. And it was really a dream come true. And what made it so special was that I could see at the very highest level what separates the very best performers from everyone else. Cool. And so at that level where you're starting to like understand your skills, right? So what was going through your mind going to the next step? You mean as an agent or as a business person or? Yeah, like in general, like, right, as a person, like now, you know, now scaling up his game. So uh, actually, I experienced it a few times. So I very quickly managed the best tennis players, but I also... Mm-hmm. created my own business in terms of organizing um, sports events. And often we had teams of over 100 people. And um, I, I realized one thing that when you want to make a breakthrough, often, you know, people work really, really hard and working harder doesn't always bring you the breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Because what I discovered is we have programs, invisible programs in our mind that run our lives. And we have these programs in every key area of our lives. For example, we have a money program that determines how much money we can earn. And unless we change that program, I think whatever we do will only get us like 10% up or 10% down. And if you don't believe me, just think of this example. If you stripped Bill Gates from all his money, where do you think he'd be in like two years from now? Reach again. <laughs> exactly. And if you take a poor guy and you give him a million bucks, where do you think he'll be in a few years from now? Poor again. And those are those invisible programs. So mm-hmm. I, I always realized that like to reach the next level, I had to remake my invisible program. So in, mm-hmm. in sports and in business, I, I was kind of successful early on, but I had invisible programs that limited me in another area that was really crucial for me. And that was my relationships. And what I mean with that is that, so as a kid with learning disabilities, I had a lot of insecurities. I quickly matured. I became smarter. I started attracting women. But for some reason, I made myself fail in terms of lasting relationships. I always dated girls that were not meant to be for me or where the relationship couldn't work. And when a, when a really good prospect, like when, when, when I found a girl and we really had the chemistry, I always found ways to mess things up. <laughs> and that is how I discovered these invisible programs. A friend of mine who was an actor in an acting school, he told me about these programs that run, my, run our lives. And he told me that like, If I don't change the belief systems that are giving me the current results, and if I don't really drastically change something in my life, basically become a new person in, in some way, this problem won't just disappear. I'll either end up in a miserable relationship or I'll just stay a partying bachelor all my life. And that's actually when I discovered this journey of personal um, development that really means so much to, I guess, you and me. Yeah, I mean, I guess like a lot of people here, like everybody is, you know, that is listening or watching this right now is in the personal development world. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be here. We all drink the Kool-Aid just a bit and then we know <laughs> we have to have more. But my question to you is like, first of all, my question is to the crowd right now. Everybody listening or, or, or watching this right now, like what is your 
programs? What are your programs right now that you know that are a repeating pattern in your life? It's a kind of, let's just like take a moment to reflect and to reflect and kind of think. I know one of mine, uh, one of mine's always been money management. I like, you know, I, I, I am a genius in a way in making new revenue streams, but I suck at um, managing my money, my finances. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to say it. Like, I guess a lot of us says none of us are perfect, you know, um, and that's something I've been trying to reprogram my, my entire time. And also now that, that I could, I brought in a financial coach to kind of help me reprogram myself in that area. But let me ask you, how can we reprogram ourselves? So money is a very great example. It's a very charged topic. And you know, when you think of money, invisibly we have different associations. Some people think money is freedom. Money is adding value. Other people might think money means being corrupt. Money means being a crook. Money is actually even dirty. So I was saying that like money is a very charged topic. And when you think of money, we all have like invisible associations with money. Some people have positive associations like money is freedom. Money means adding value. And like the more money I have, the more I can contribute. And other people have more limiting beliefs around money. Like money is dirty. Money means being corrupt. Only criminals make a lot of money. And money is something very scarce. And of course, these different beliefs will lead to different behavior patterns related to money. And of course, you know, like um, the key about these beliefs is that we often formed them when we were A, very young and unable to question these beliefs. And we often had role models who didn't really know how to deal with money or who weren't the best role models when it comes to money. And the thing with role models is everyone in this group is like uh, so interested in personal development. So we are looking for the two percenters in our role models. We are not looking for the average person. And the two percenters, they really have these beliefs about money that money is really an indicator of how much value we add to this world. So the way we change our programs is A, we refute those limiting stories that are holding us back. We become aware of them and we become I'm aware how they no longer serve us and how they're actually not true or accurate. Mm -hmm. And we combine that with creating a crystal clear vision of what it is we want to do in our life, in the different areas of our lives, why this is so important to us and why we haven't achieved that yet, which again are those limiting beliefs that we need to dispute. Guys, what's limiting you guys from achieving greatness? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I'm, you know, constantly thinking about. Like, um, I had Dr. Shannon Irvin on the show. She was like the, the second or third episode. And she's like a, a neuropsychology, neuro, neuroscience expert. And she's, she's come from that background. And um, so she, she tells about, you know, limiting beliefs and how you kind of like how every belief that you have, whatever it is, it's like curating neural networks inside your brain that spreads out and you can take them over in 60 days. Basically like whatever thought you had going on or belief or limiting belief that you had going on for your whole entire life. Um, she, she says that, you know, studies have been showing, have been showing that you can take over the entire neural network that have been developed your entire life in only 60 days. 
like so it's a good thing in 21 days uh if i'm not mistaken it's even like the same like the neural networks are developing like evenly um throughout your brain and then like in 60 days completely wiping out the so it's it's a good it's a, it's good news for everybody that you know we can we can rewire us, ourselves we can reprogram it's ourselves. good and bad news because we can like Tom Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. So you can actually program yourself for success or you can right. continue programming yourself for failure or you can even like increase the negative thoughts and you can create a spiral of negativity. You know, like let's say your business isn't succeeding and you get upset and then like you become negative and then like you start shouting at people and your relationship falls apart and like things get from bad to worse and of right. course we're programming those neural networks in our brain so it becomes even harder to get out of it so we really have a big responsibility to only choose the thoughts that really serve us right so yeah i mean i guess i let's go deeper on that for a second okay and i know we're like we're it's, it's connecting to high performance which we're going to talk about for sure but i just want to get deeper on that because i guess most of the people on this show have heard of limiting beliefs They heard that if they crush their limiting beliefs, you know, and reprogram themselves, they'll reach higher, the, the, the next level of themselves. But I'm really like, I'm thinking for myself and I'm asking you like, you know, feel free to coach me here. And what am I doing wrong that I haven't been able to still reprogram myself um, on some of the, of, of the aspects? Like I've been, I've been transformed from the bottom up in the past year and so, but like, but, but still there are some things which I'm like, you know, I'm finding myself. I'm finding it really, really hard to crush and I am writing manifestations and I am writing sometimes. I'm, Give me an I'm example. Writing... What's something that you're really struggling with? Like well, again, very... I'm going back to the money management thing. Like, for instance, I'm taking my personal finances, for, for example, right? Like I have my business finance. You know what? I'll take my business finance as well. I'm so connected to giving value that I'm a bit kind of like off of the, hey, um, the, money, the money side. Now, I know value brings money, but still, I feel that I need to be more connected to the money side. I feel that I should be checking my cash flow uh, more often, maybe. Um, I feel that um, I should be more on top of my money because I know it can be doing better if I'm more on top of it. I'm good at bringing revenue streams in. Again, like I'm good at generating money. Um, I'm, I'm doing pretty fine. Um, like, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, How do, I, how do I manage my money better? How do I make my So first of all, on a physical uh, level, and you may have heard T. Hoff Ecker, he has like what I think is the, the easiest financial um, planning system. And the starting point is to put 10% aside for investments and for financial freedom and to really like have a sub-account or a separate account for that. Is that something you do? Um, actually, oh, T. Hoff Ecker, the profit first guy? Tia Ecker, the... Um, um, no, he's like the millionaire mind, right? Exactly. But okay. never um, mind about him. 10% on the side for um, investments, future investments, like on a separate account. Is it yeah. something you do? No. So that's the starting point. Like, you know, like, I think um, Tia Ecker gives, gives the example of a little baby. He wants an ice cream. And so the father goes and takes him and they buy an ice cream. And the baby drops the ice cream. And then the baby says, I want another ice cream, but this time I want like two scoops. And the dad says, no, you can't even handle one scoop. So why would I get you two scoops? <laughs> so saving, learning to save money is really 
the starting point of financial freedom. You can read it of almost any successful story. Like, like they, first of all, money really accumulates and you benefit from the powers of compounding. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you just train yourself that you don't, that, that you have the ability to save money and you have the ability to plan your financial future. And, and I really believe that's when the universe thinks, okay, Sagi is ready to earn more money. And that's when you suddenly get new ideas and you find triggers that allow you to make more wealth. So that's just one very simple strategy. So it's like now, putting habits in place, you mean? Like it's like... So this is a financial habit, but I'm coming yeah. to the topic of habits because... You know, Tim Ferriss, he wrote a book, I think it's called Tools of Titans. Right. And in the book, he says, okay, I interviewed some of the greatest people of all the areas of the world and like from doctors to billionaires to athletes. And then in the beginning of the book, he says, there are a few habits that about 90% of all these people do. What do you think one of those habits are? Or the one habit that really almost everyone does? Um, wake up early. Nothing to do with finances. Wake up early. No, meditate? I mean that might be something, but it's meditate? meditation. Okay. So yeah. everyone knows that meditation is so powerful that, like, we literally rewire our brain. We teach ourselves to become more focused. We teach yeah. ourselves to become more relaxed. We become more conscious. We create more choices in our lives. We strengthen our immune system. Yet, so many people struggle to make it a habit. And the irony is that if you make it a habit, it becomes something really pleasurable, something you really enjoy. And I, like, I bet from everyone listening now, like, we have some of the best like, high, like, personal development like, followers, people who really love personal development. We listen to every podcast, we read every book. And yet, I would say less than 50% meditate on a daily basis. Because uh, less than 15% even, like I think less than 10%. Right. Exactly. And so it all comes down to building habits. You know, we have, um, uh -huh. we have um, conscious thoughts and non-conscious thoughts. And our conscious thoughts take a lot of energy. And that's why we do 95% of the things in our life automatic. And I think what a lot of people do who are very ambitious, they try and change too many things at once. Mm -hmm. So if I want to become better with my finances, I choose one habit. And that habit, the first one I would choose is saving 10% of my income. And if that's too much, do 5% or 3% or 1%. Mm -hmm. But make it a habit to save money every single month and to put it in either a different account or a sub-account. Yeah. And then once you accumulate some money, research about investments, whether it's index funds or other things. But there are certain investments that within a 10, 20, 30-year time frame, do generate quite a secure return. And then the secret with the financial freedom account is that any return that you get from those monies go back into investments. You don't touch that money until say you're 50 or 60 or 70 or until it gen generates the kind of passive income that gives you financial freedom without even ever working again. Yeah, I think I'm like, you know, I'm taking some of what you said and like thinking about how it implies all those some of the people I know that are in deep debt and also are working hard and not making enough money. Um, and I was, I was there. And I'm like, you know, what can those people do? And what could I have done? Like, yeah, I can make this a habit right now, put 10% or, you know, however I want into, into this like other bank account, start saving. 
It, it's easy for anybody who makes money. The people that don't make, and I bet tons of the people listening right now are still not making money. They're like, they're going to be like, yeah, but this habit is like, you know, how can I put money aside if I'm not even making enough money to, to live? I think that you're Let saying it doesn't you. matter. Yeah, I, I'm, I just want to see if I'm getting it right. So you're saying like, it doesn't matter. What matters is the habit. Just get that yes. habit in place in order for uni- the universe to kind of like bring you to that next level. Absolutely. And I think everyone can save one or two dollars a day and even just right. put 50 bucks a month on the side. And then, of course, um, you know, like in the beginning, the problem with habits is like, you know, let's say you want to lose weight mm-hmm. or let's say you start eating like bad food every day, like a, a Big Mac or two or three every single day. The first day, the first two days, the first week, the first two weeks, you won't notice a difference. That's the bad thing. The, the, the negative impact happens slowly. The same with saving money or positive habits. It takes time till the power of compounding really kicks in. And I want to demonstrate this point really clearly to you. If I offered you two things, either, let's say, a million bucks today in cash or one cent that doubles itself every single day for 10 days, what would you pick? One cent that doubles itself for 10 days. So the second day it's two cents, the third day it's four cents, <laughs> well, the fourth day. Well, eventually, like for only 10 days, it doubles itself only for 10 days? Yeah. Oh, what would you so pick? A million dollars? Yeah, that's a good choice. Because after 10 days, you would make $5 with that one cent. Yeah. How about 20 days that cent doubling itself every day or a million dollars? A million dollars? Yep, because after... 20 days, it would be, be $5,000. How about 30 days or a million dollars? Well, I would go with a pattern and say, still it feels to me a million dollars, although I'm not doing the math in my head. On day 30, that penny would be $2.5 million. What? And on day 31, it would obviously be $5 million. And okay. that's the power of compounding. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, and by the way, I'm talking about compound interest just to at a point is like a lot of people don't even know what compound interest is. Like I find that when I talk to people, like I'm like, I I and I myself only learned about it like I think for the first time just a couple of years ago, which I'm in my 30s, and it's a shame that I had to just hear this term for the first time in my life just a couple of years ago. But to anybody listening here right now, compound interest is a thing in investing where no matter what you are investing in, um, you put that money there and basically like you have um, next, like you have the interest. And so the interest is on, on top of all the money that you put in, you have the interest. And then next year, you don't have just your money, you have your money with the interest and that money and that interest get interest. And basically that's the compound effect. And that's why people that invest from a young age get to be millionaires when they're in the fifties, even 40 sometimes. But in simpler, and that's 100% correct, but what it really means is that at one stage, one plus one becomes like three, a synergy, Um, meaning that like um, small differences suddenly become much, much bigger. And and it works also with habits. You know, if you create two or three amazing habits, after a week, two weeks, one month, you probably won't notice a big change and a lot of people will stop and give up. After a year, two years, three years, your life will transform. Right. And that really is one of the big secrets to success and what really distinguishes 
top performance from everyone else? All right, so we're getting into top performance here. Um, this is definitely like, you know, high performance stuff we're talking about right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I really kind of like, you know, as I have more of these conversations with people like you, like I understand, you know, the, the, the effect of compound of interest in life and also momentum, which is kind of like the same, which is like basically once you do something and you do it over and over and over again and you're consistent and persistent, then you're starting to pick up speed on the right path. And, you know, and it comes together. Like I found, like I talk about compound interest in coaching, for instance, like the, the coaching that I get today, I know is going to like just it compounds itself. Like, you know, it just it doesn't stop. Um, the value is also compound interest. Basically, the value that I know I'm giving to the community by having this, this show, besides me benefiting from talking to people like you, you know, like and just having fun and learning uh, for myself, it's like people are learning out of this. And this is like the value that I give to the community. And I know like and anybody that gives value first to their community is basically getting it back. And that's also compound interest. So basically, the element of compound interest, it shows itself in every possible aspect of our lives. I guess. And that's why it's interesting, you know, to think about habits in the same way. I'm like, huh, like habits is also compound interest in a way. So I have two comments. First of all, um, we talked about um, how do you change beliefs? And one of the most powerful ways is to expose yourself to new knowledge, to new information, to listen to podcasts like this one and, and to have coaching and to hear other perspectives. So I really salute you for all the work you do for yourself and for your community because you're helping people to transform their programs in their mind. And with regards to compound interest, you're completely right. But, and this is the key, there's also negative compound interest. So when we do poor habits, you know, we spend two, three hours watching TV, we eat bad food, and we browse while we work for an hour every single day, those three negative habits will compound over time and they will prevent us from achieving what we know we can achieve. And the worst thing is not only the financial cost of it, but the feeling of shame and guilt that builds up in our head. And then we need to, un we need to cover up those feelings and then we create even more negative habits so that we can actually numb ourselves from those feelings. Right. So I, I think you're totally right. I mean, compound interest also goes in the negative direction. And I think that in a general way, we should always think about the, the, the things like there's no status quo, that, meaning like you're either on your way to the top or on your way down. You're either the one that brings people around you upwards or you're bringing them down. You're either the one that, you know, is like, so basically it's like this whole thing is for anything in life and so the same thing up the same thing down the only thing is um i find that going uphill is you you think about it like you're riding a bicycle and it's always hard you don't pick up momentum when you're pedaling up a huge you know mountain with a bike right um but it's it's not it doesn't work like that in real life you're pedaling upwards basically it it, it gains momentum and like you feel going faster at one spot you know it's like that's why people on the top are on the top so high on the top just because the the, the compound interest thing happens for them so they're actually going faster upwards so so yeah it's not like the uphill kind of like 
illusion is just an illusion. It's not really real. So you either go up or you go down and both have momentums and, and compound you're just staying in play. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And of course, when we're successful and things work, there are other dangers, you know, it, it, it's easy to become complacent. And have you ever like um, really had momentum and then you started um, doing your old negative habits again and you stopped doing the things that really worked for you? Yeah. So uh, like um, fitness, our old self is very sneaky and it really takes time uh, to get rid of habits. And I actually think to really like get rid of bad habits we actually need to change who we are. We need to, and right. that comes from the mind again. We need to change our identity. We need to look at ourselves as a different person. Um, did, did we say that quote? Like what brought you here is not like, the person that brought you to where you are today is not the person that can bring you to where you need to be. So it's exactly that. Like, Spot on. Right. So like. But isn't that the meaning of life to constantly like, change who we are oh, and like, ourselves i've been i'll tell you what i've been raised in an environment like i've been raised in an environment that has been saying changing people is bad you should not change who you are anytime you should be you and whoever says that you need to change is like stupid and you shouldn't believe that you should ever change you should be you now they were right in some case but that brings in a lot of negativity and people who are negative that were in my life, um, still are some, by the way, that are just like, oh, I don't want to change. You know, it's like, you know, I can change. I am who I am. You know, and then you're like, it, anybody who tells them to, that they can change is, um, you know, patronizing and really, you know, kind of like you, you can't say to someone who hasn't drank the Kool-Aid, hey, drink some Kool-Aid. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing I find you hard. Can, you can only lead by uh, being a by role example. model. Exactly, yeah, right. You know, when people realize that suddenly you're like a happier person, you're a more successful people, person, you have better relationships, then they start wondering like, what are you smoking? <laughs> and um, so, so for yeah. me, my, uh, my philosophy is, even if it's 0.001%, I wanna change every single week. I wanna use every week to reflect about my last week and think, what is something small that I can do different that will actually uh, over time change fundamentally who I am, make me my better self? Yes, totally. All right. So um, I'm going to get to Mark's question, right? And probably we touched some of the topics, but just to make sure we covered it. So Mark Bowness, our coach, he asked, champions are often raised in a positive environment and are nurtured for success, but how do you have a champion mindset if you haven't been raised in such an environment? What if you don't have a winning team around you? How do you create that from within? So Mark asked a very good question. And, you know, having worked with a lot of tennis players, I can tell you one thing. I can share one thing that um, a lot of tennis players have very crazy parents. Like a lot of young junior players have crazy parents. And I would say that 95% of those kids fail. They don't manage to become top players because the parents put too much pressure. They give too little positive feedback. But the ones who get through, they are the ones who can really like, become like world-class stars. Like Without naming names, I'm saying just throughout history, like, yeah. I've seen that pattern repeat itself many times. 
Now, of course, if you're brought up in a loving, great environment, that's perfect. If you weren't raised, that's tough. It makes life much more difficult. But once we become adults, we have a choice. And it's our choice, like what we want to make from our life. And if we feel insecure, if we feel hurt, if we feel vulnerable, then what can we do? We can... We can take a coach who can help us build our confidence. We can um, take um, little steps, little, little action steps to improve our lives, and that will give us confidence. And when we have confidence, we can take bigger steps. And the number one thing we can really do, in my opinion, is to develop a strong sense of integrity. And to me, integrity means doing what we say we will do and doing what we know is right. And I really feel most of us have this inherent sense of what is right and what is wrong. And when we build that kind of integrity, we start loving ourselves. We start appreciating, our, appreciating ourselves. We know that we're not the person who just goes for the easy wins, but who does whatever is right. Mm -hmm. And then we can really start building character traits. And that's one of my favorite topics. You know, everyone not everyone, but many people focus on results, on specific outcomes. But I think true champions, they focus on the process of those results and more specifically on developing specific character traits. And character traits is something we can learn and practice. For example, say you want to become more loving. So you can really say this month, I'm going to do three action steps every single day that will make me more loving. I'll read books on the topic of love. I'll immerse myself with the topic of love. And you'll see within a month, you'll be a more loving person. Say you're very impatient. And that's something that I am. I keep interrupting people. Like I often like rush from one thing to the next. So I do like these months where I train my patience muscle and I've gotten much better at it. There's still a lot of room for improvement. But what I'm trying to say is we can build our character. And when we build our character, we develop this inner self-belief and inner self-confidence and even inner self-love. And these aspects are so fundamental to re-changing the inner thermostat that we have, that we talked about, those programs that um, define all the key areas of our lives. And that's how we create an upward spiral of success. Right. So, yeah, totally. I think you're on point, you know, it relates to what we talked about before and kind of like, again, it's all about reprogramming ourselves and like changing our own mindset in order to be better. Now I want to get into like kind of like the, the comparison between, you know, athletes and entrepreneurs. Obviously you came from like being a manager of, you know, of, the, of those top tennis players of the world and you decided to become, you know, an entrepreneur and, um, and, and kind of like build a community and you saw some kind of like gap in the entrepreneurial space that you, you want to fill. So can you tell me a bit about like why you made that, that shift? All right, I just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. 
yes this is a facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the mindful and ruthless group on facebook i promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode Sure. First of all, I think I was always an entrepreneur because like, I created my own management um, agency and then I organized, uh, I created my own company to run professional events. And um, the reason I love entrepreneurs is that I think um, they're agents of change. You know, they, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, first of all, creates um, um, financial freedom for himself and his family. And he creates jobs for anyone he employs and anyone he interacts with on a business relationship. And entrepreneurs, most importantly, add massive value to the world. They solve pressing problems that um, this universe has. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I started talking about high performance to entrepreneurs is that I was speaking to friends who have online businesses about high performance. And then one or two of these people asked me to teach them some of the high performance strategies. And these strategies had such a positive impact on these people that I really thought, you know what, I want to create a high performance project where I share the things that I learned from world-class sport from 10 years, 20 years of research and from my personal experience and from my ongoing research, I want to share these findings and really like detect a code of high performance that anyone can use, whether he's an entrepreneur, a parent, an entertainer, or anyone else wants to like do some kind of positive contribution to the world. Because in the end, I think what unites us all is we are role models in some way. As entrepreneurs, we're role models of people who add value and transform the world. As parents, we're role models for our kids. As athletes, I would hope we're role models for our fans. And I just think, like, as real role models, we need to combine a few things that are really difficult. We need to combine having big ambitions and professional goals. We need to combine living the kind of life that makes us feel satisfied and happy. And we need to also have thriving relationships. You know, we have marriages or girlfriends or boyfriends or family members. And to juggle all these areas is not easy, but that's really what high performance is all about. Dude, I'm I'm totally with you on that. And also, like, you know, the thing that I, uh, the term that I call it, it's like living a full stack life a life that you know it has success on all aspects like i mean you have a family you have kids you have a wife um you have relationships now that you know and you have your fitness and your health and you have your like everything going on in your life so basically you know me too like and a lot of people i, I bet like you know listening i bet everybody right now like listening watching this is like oh, yeah i have that too i want success in all aspects of my life and most of us are, are taught not to even aspire for that and i think we can aspire for that and we can juggle everything at once and we can develop ourselves to to take it take on all of it you know in the way that fits us that because each of us defines success in different ways so but i think you're totally touching up on on that topic which is like you know how do we create success in all those areas and so how about you we get into a bit of the 
you know, the strategies, you know, that maybe like some athletes use and that you brought into the entrepreneurial space? Let me, you know, there's so many things I could share about world-class athletes, but I think the one thing I want to share is uh, something that I learned from Roger Federer. He's really the master at this. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have a very stressful life. But what I learned from the world of sports and from Roger Federer is that recovering well is as crucial as working hard. And what that means is that an athlete looks at his training sessions like sprints, sprints where you really give 120%. And then they take short breaks. So for an entrepreneur, that would mean doing power blocks of, say, 55 minutes of intense work, then taking five or 10 minutes complete break, no texting, no emails. You get up, you drink a glass of water, you walk around a little bit maybe. Uh, maybe if you work two or three hours and you made those short breaks, you eat something small, you go for a short work, uh, for a short walk. Then you continue with your second power block. You do another break, third power block, and then maybe a longer break. Mm -hmm. Then another secret in terms of recovery is that having um, – a cut off time when you stop working. Like for me, it's usually four, five o'clock. Like at five o'clock, I usually stop working and I spend time with my family. And the reason this is so powerful is five A. Right. Yeah. Okay. The reason this is so powerful, and sometimes I have to make compromises, like if I speak to America and these kind of things, but the reason it's so powerful to have a cutoff time is A, you work more intensive during your working day, you spend less time procrastinating. Mm -hmm. B, you recover well. And C, sometimes we come up with the most creative ideas when we allow our conscious mind to rest. Like, for example, when we're in the shower or playing with our kids. Yeah. And when we talk about recovery, we can talk about like daily recovery, like doing short breaks and then like stopping work at five or six o'clock, getting enough sleep. But I also recommend weekly recovery. And what I try and do is like at least one day a week, I don't work whatsoever. I switch off my phone. We keep my wife's phone on, I admit, just to co coordinate, you know, meeting friends, etc. But I don't check emails. I just don't think about my business whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it gives me so much um, energy for the upcoming week. And then the third secret is to have periodic breaks. Every three months to take a few days, a complete shutdown from work if you can. Either go somewhere, travel, or do a, a staycation at home, or go for a small trip with your family. But just to have these regular periods of time where we switch off completely from work. So that's really one of the big things I learned from the world of sport. You want to hear another one? Sure. So what athletes really have is clear vision, what they want to achieve, you know, whether it's winning Wimbledon, becoming world number one, often they also know why they want it. And it's not only just the money. They think of the benefit that other people might have, like their family, their friends. They really visualize themselves hugging their coach, celebrating with their um, entire entourage and family. And one thing that athletes do and more and more business people are doing is daily visualization, you know, really visualizing the end goal of specific key areas of your life yeah. And then even visualizing how you're going to achieve those goals and then visualizing how your life feels the moment you achieve 
those goals. And there's really four secrets to successful visualization. The first is the frequency. The more often you visualize, the more powerful it will be. The second secret is duration. The longer, the better. I try and do 20 minutes. 20 minutes. The third one, 20 minutes a day. Um, I try, yeah, I try to do 20 minutes. If I can, two visualizations a day would be even better. And I combine them with meditation. The third secret is vividness. You want to use a lot of sense data. You want to imagine as if you're achieving that success right now or as if you're doing the specific steps to achieving your goal. So it's not like you're watching yourself on TV. It's like you're doing it right now. You hear the sounds. You smell the, the atmosphere. You, you feel the taste in your mouth. You, um, you see the colors of everything that you're experiencing. And then the last element is intensity. And what I mean with intensity is the intensity of the emotions. Like experiencing the... Maybe you're in a sports competition, you feel a little nervous in the beginning, you, you notice how you calm yourself down, you notice how you're focused, and then when you win, when you're successful, you feel this pure sense of joy and, and satisfaction, and even that desire to, to build momentum and to continue your success. So those are the four key steps for a successful visualization. Right, so I'll ask, I'll ask, can you repeat them because I asked the first one? So the first one is duration. Oh, you had a question before a duration, no? Frequency, duration, okay. vividness, and intensity. Okay. So how often you do it, how long you do it, how vivid you use your sense data, and how intense you experience the feelings. Okay. And the feeling thing is, like, I think so important because, like, you know, I, I, I know that, like, you know, our feelings – are basically the thing that controls our emotions and our, or our things and emotions are the thing that controls our thoughts or our actions in a way. Um, our, our actions are controlled, right? By our, and the reason is because they um, determine our motivation. You know, when you, when you associate um, a goal with a lot of joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and pleasure, then yeah. that um, triggers your motivation and the dopamine and everything you need to really move towards that goal. And you know, when you visualize your goals or even when, I don't know if you've ever tried writing down your goals on a daily basis. I've done that on many different Actually. occasions. Yeah. And it's incredible like how often you achieve so many of those goals. Yeah, I mean, like I'm totally, I'm totally like um, writing my goals every single day. How many like, goals a day do you write down? So I write down three every day. I don't know if it's good or not. I just write. I, I, no, it's great. So what I encourage you to do is as you write them down, spend 30 seconds visualizing how it would feel to have fulfilled that goal with a lot of sense data and a lot of emotions. Right. Try and add that layer and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, it's the first time we talk about these things, which is funny because we, I mean, we sat down and talked before. Um, we even met for lunch a couple of times and we, we, we met with Mark when he was here and we had a full day in Jerusalem. But it's like, this is like the first time we actually go deep into like methodologies. And the thing is this, you said they have a clear vision, right? And, and I always talk with my community here about the three pillars of success that I, I, I put together like that I think like makes any successful entrepreneur. And the first one is clarity of vision. 
So like clarity of vision, and then maybe because we're both with Mark, like maybe just Mark's like drifts that into our brain all the time. But I mean, like first thing, like clarity of vision, uh, and we both see it uh, from our worlds. It's not really Mark. Like, you know, we, that's, that's the thing that we see in our world, right? Like, I mean, um, it's every good entrepreneur needs clarity of vision. And then the, um, the thing about um, what you're saying is like, it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing, like writing down the goals, visualizing them. And, and then when you're building your vision, I actually ask, like, tell everyone, I have a free training in the Facebook group that, you know, helps you build your vision. And I tell them like the second phase after you write in bullets your items on your list is to add feelings to those items so now they have to rewrite them only with feelings in order for them to also connect feelings to those outcomes so yeah i'm totally with you on that that's spot on and look um the way i am um, if i had to like uh explain why clarity of vision works so well it's actually almost how the brain works you know when you think a thought it's like walking on a path and the more often you walk on the path the deeper the path gets and the easier it gets to walk on that path and that's when our brain um, neurons make connections and then our, our vision becomes clearer and when we become clear about our vision we can also um, backwards manufacture how we can arrive to that goal and that's how we suddenly get our brain to work to help us seek the opportunities the resources the people the information we need to make that goal happen and our brain is so powerful but it comes without um, 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 a user guide you know and right. I think in the last 10 years we learned more about the brain than like in the whole history before but I think we're gonna learn even more in the future and um, it's just incredible what each one of us are able to do if we can tap into our brain more and it all starts by becoming masters of our thoughts and it's not possible master our thoughts from one day to the next but just have this one thought and uh, idea like try and really make sure you always think the thoughts that are helping you and when you notice that you don't have helpful thoughts just try and like eliminate eliminate them or like process them by thinking why they're not helping you and how you could reframe them mm -hmm. but basically you know your um your brain is like weeds or seeds you know you can consciously plant seeds or weeds will grow and these weeds are like all our negative thoughts and our worries and our concerns so it's our responsibility to fill our head with a vision in the specific areas of our lives and then to really entertain these thoughts on a regular basis right and that's ever so important and i'm going now back to anna's questions uh here in the comments like anna Aksanov um, asks you were talking about identifying our invisible stories and beliefs you know before working on reprogramming ourselves we need to identify we need to like understand what we need to work on right so we need to understand our own stories and beliefs so how do we do that how can we identify what's our stories and beliefs that we need to break well, look, the stories manifest in the results we have. So we look at the results we have. And if there are results that we don't like, for example, say you always meet men who are like rude or like unpolite or like have other negative character flaws, then you need to ask yourself, why is this pattern repeating itself? And mm -hmm. what is the story that might be leading to me being attracted to these kind of men? Or if you have like... um 
you're, you're really gifted in business, but you keep wasting your money or throwing away money. So you obviously have some kind of stories around money and that's like the hint where to look into. But um, seeing our invisible thoughts is not easy. It requires training. It's like um, a pond, okay? And you can really see the surface very clear, but what's inside the surface you can't see unless you take a torchlight and you and you really go to the pond and then you start seeing the rocks and the fishes and those are our invisible thoughts. And so we look at the results in our life that we don't like, that's the hint where to look at. And, and then we need to spend time to become more aware of our thoughts and slowing down time, doing meditation. These are things that can really help and asking profound questions like, why am I feeling a little bit down now? What happened just before I felt down? Who did I meet? You know, all these kind of questions can lead us to what the story is that is making us feel the way we feel. Right. And like, you know, we talk about compound interest, you know, and, and our habits, and you talk about the four secrets to visualizations and you, and you drop some quotes, like, you know, our brain is so powerful, but it comes without a user. You got all this kind of stuff and you're talking very practical means and, and answering the questions. All right. Now what I want to, what I want to touch on um, just before we wrap this up is a couple more, maybe getting into the, the, this, like, like you said, the visualizations and the stuff that athletes are, are into. And I think one of those, the main points of this conversation that, you know, at least I never heard before is like those secrets to visualizations. Do you have any more of those? Um, I'm sure I do, but you have to guide me in, in, in what <laughs> um, direction. There's like, so I mean, many... the, the things that athletes do that, you know, we entrepreneurs need to do more, like the habits they have in place. And Well, let me, let me just share another story of Novak Djokovic, because mm -hmm. um, what's interesting about him is that when he was a young kid, he believed he'd be a number one player in the world he really had the right belief system yeah. in the world of tennis people thought he's a good player no one expected him even to be a top 20 player and i know that because i had to talk to all the sponsors and everything it was very very hard to get him any deals in the beginning of his career yeah. then he suddenly like broke through he really played amazing tennis he became three in the world and people said he'll never be better than federer and nadal these were two of the greatest players of all times he usually would lose to these guys. He did win the Australian Open, but he lost a lot of big matches to these guys. And then I think it was in 2010, he lost to the U in the US Open in a really, really tough match to Nadal. And around that time, he really uh, went back to the drawing board and he said, okay, if I ever want to really win Grand Slams on a regular basis, and if I ever want to really like, do better, I have a problem. There's these guys, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, they're not going away. So, and my tennis is good. I don't know. There's not much I can do about that. And so he decided he's going to transform his lifestyle. He's A, he's going to become the fittest guy on the tour. And he was a player who had all sorts of health issues, who often didn't uh, manage to really um, play his best for like the long matches, like he would, mm -hmm. like, uh, like uh, his um, fitness would fade down or his health would interfere. So he said, I'll, I'll become the fittest guy by training fitness, but also by really modifying my lifestyle, by watching what I eat, by watching when I sleep, by watching who I hang out with, and by getting every competitive advantage I can. And the key message here is that success is a lifestyle. Like you can work really hard, but if you 
go partying every night, if you sleep two hours, if you have miserable relationships, if you eat uh, garbage food, it will affect you over time. Like, so if you want sustainable success, it's a lifestyle. And the cool thing is if you do the lifestyle of success, you won't only be more successful, but you'll also enjoy it because you'll make sure that you feel energized, that you feel fueled, that you feel focused. And that's when you're living the high-performance lifestyle. And mm -hmm. that, that's really maybe the biggest thing I learned from athletes. Like the difference between the top guys and everyone else is this lifestyle. I had a guy ranked about 30, 40 in the world, and he would sometimes like eat very late dinners and like uh, he would um, do different things that like I knew that a guy like Djokovic wouldn't do. And I asked him like, tell me, do you think a guy like Djokovic would do what you're doing right now? And this player told me, look, I'm not Djokovic. What do I care? And that's the difference. The top guys, they know everything is connected to your big goals. And everyone else, they think, okay, I can practice three, four hours really, really hard on the tennis court. But what I do afterwards is like up to me. And, and that's really not true. So just knowing that it's an holistic approach. Everything is like kind of like, you know, it's an holistic thing. Like it's not just like something that connected to the thing you're doing. So you can be a very good business person by just doing business. Your whole lifestyle is connected to it. And I think that's what we can really take away. And like, yeah, lifestyle is it. Like, you know, you have to, and, and another thing you said there, um, connected with a um, interview that I just heard, uh, Lewis Howes, the School of Greatness, interviewed Kobe Bryant. You know, like we all know Kobe Bryant, like, a, you know, crazy NBA player, like uh, now actually doing storytelling and, and has a new podcast out, which is kind of more like a show. It's like, he's doing crazy stuff. And he's, his way of looking at it is the same thing. Like he said, like, I got to get every competitive advantage that I can get in life in order to have success. And it requires me eating well, sleeping well, um, training well, like everything is like, you know, coming together. And you know, what he said, like, you know, the competitive advantage comes from so many different areas. So like, while you know, we're, we can be great entrepreneurs, you know, great entrepreneurs, just like us who wake up, you know, in five and 5 a.m. and do their manifestations and miracle morning and stuff like that will do better than us because they're going to have competitive advantage of being more healthy and being more like in a, in a better mindset. And um, so, and, and you know what, like I'm, I'm seeing this amazing entrepreneurs, like I'm, I'm, interviewing alone like you and other amazing entrepreneurs on my show and everybody listening right now just know that everybody here like on the show has some kind of like a competitive advantage above a lot of the people listening right now it's just statistics but it's not the thing about statistics it's just the thing that hey everybody that i'm interviewing on my show is a, is a successful entrepreneur that does all these habits so if you get and tap into these habits as well and think about getting any competitive advantage that you can. And I know I'm thinking about this, uh, to, you know, as myself, like I'm interviewing so many amazing people. I'm meeting and networking with the most amazing entrepreneurs in the world right now. Just like asking myself, okay, what do they do in their life that I don't yet? <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, and how do I tap into that and make it a habit? Not to be them, but to be myself in the best possible way. So people like get your nutrition on, get your sleeping hours on, get your like anything that you can to get your competitive advantage to be the best version of you. Think the holistic way, like Alon is saying, 
And I think we can wrap it up with this because it's just perfect. So thank you so much, Alon. Like anything to add before we, we finish off and ask you about where we can find you? Yeah, well, just, uh, you know, on this holistic basis, you know, one thing that a lot of top performers and entrepreneurs do is regular sports. And today I was watching Facebook and I saw like this really cool entrepreneur doing a, a kickbox class. It was saggy, like really like kicking his uh, coach's uh, butt. And uh, that's what helps to become <laughs> mentally tougher, you know, when we really push ourselves beyond our comfort zone and go like, 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 push ourselves when we're exhausted and tired and, and that's what builds our character and um, really thanks for having me and uh, yeah anyone who wants to find me can find me under my um, website um, and maybe you can put it in the show notes um, www.alonkakshuri.com and I also have a Facebook group called the High Performance Project that I'm very enthusiastic about because the main purpose of the group is really to push people on a daily and weekly basis to really create those little habits that give us that competitive advantage. All right, everybody. So make sure to join Alon's group. It's so like I'm in there, like, you know, I'm just like, I want you to join me as well in there. Highly valuable group, like tons of value. Alon is also like a, a giver more than a taker. So yeah, it's well more, well worth mentioning and saying that, you know, like after this interview, of course, but so people please like, you know, be sure to join the group and yeah i mean alone thank you so much man like it, it was a very um insightful uh interview like for me at least you know like i i had some coins drop in my mind and uh, you gave me some some uh, new things to think about also the visualization part is something that i don't do so often so um, i'm definitely going to try that and um yeah man like thank you so much and uh it was amazing having you on the show thank you so much it was really great being here all right. So everybody, just remember, this show is going to be also live in the podcast format in about a week. Also on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, like wherever you need to consume your podcast, you will be able to replay this. And it was all, will also be on the blog. Um, so just make sure to find it also on the blog, sagishraber.com um, slash podcast. And um, yeah, just like all the show notes, links to Alon's group, uh, Alon's website, um, uh, some quotes that he dropped over here. And uh, yeah, so, and of course, like show notes like, uh, that we do for each episode with some main pointers. Everybody have an amazing day, night, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much, Alon, and we'll see you on the next one. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way and also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better and I love connecting with my audience. Alright, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace! Try and really make sure you always think the thoughts that are helping you. Well, look, the stories manifest in the results we have. So we look at the results we have. If they're results that we don't like, 
Success is a lifestyle.